Hi, my name is Sean Ortlieb, and I am in 10th grade at Sarasota High School. Our scripture passage today comes from the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with the 13th verse. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thank you. My name is Geneviève Beauchamp. It's, uh, I'm all things worship and music in the other space, and I don't get to get away very much, but it's such a joy to be worshiping with you this morning. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, nothing says America more than a summer cookout with freshly boiled sweet ears of corn on the cob. And on this beautiful gift from the earth, we add salted butter and we shake that salt shaker. Yum. Our taste buds get activated when we hear the word salt. It is our first go-to when our food is not quite right. This is true for us here especially, since the U.S. is the second highest country in the world in sodium intake, following China. Facts you never thought you'd want to know. I've known several people over the years with heart health issues who were told by their doctor that they had to cut salt completely from their diet. Imagine the discipline it takes to do such a thing. It almost feels like a lifelong prison sentence. A little salt makes things so much better. Your heart might thank you, but there's little joy in bland food. Most of you will probably agree. I marvel at the fact that salt has been a staple throughout human existence. We understand the importance of salt today as much as it was to the people thousands of years ago. Salt was an essential item in Jesus' time. Salt acted as a preservative for food, and it kept things from going bad early. Salt was associated with purity because of its white color, and it was offered along with Jewish sacrifices in earlier times. And then, just like it does today, it added flavor to food. 
I love Eugene Peterson's transliteration of this passage in the message. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. Isn't that beautiful? Being the salt of the earth can suggest different things, but in line with Eugene Peterson, we bring the God flavors, the ones that make us Christians, such as loving our neighbor, seeing suffering, and not turning away from it, but instead turning towards it. It's the intense God flavor of going after injustice and standing up for those who are treated poorly. Yes, that might make our saltiness level a little too intense for those who just want to look away, but that's what we are called to do. And then Jesus says, we are the light of the world. Again, Jesus uses a metaphor that continues to be vital to us in our lives. We certainly understand light, probably just as the people in the first century understood light. Many of us are here in Florida, the sunshine state, because of our need for light. I lived in Canada long enough to, experience, to have experienced the grayness of winter, the lack of sun, which often leads to depression, to grumpiness, to pale skin, to lack of energy. Light is essential for good and happy living. And when evening falls, whether it is with the flick of a switch or a command made to Alexa or clapping on or clapping off or by lighting the wick of an oil lamp, we all seek to fight the natural darkness that comes our way. Jesus instructs his disciples to turn away from the status quo by giving flavor to the groups that are on the sidelines. The disciples are called to move away from the things that are considered normal. They are invited to value those who do not fit in. The Beatitudes that we heard last week tell us that it is the peacemakers, the poor, those who mourn, and those treated unjustly that will inherit the kingdom of the earth. Therefore, the disciples must stand tall by what they believe, even if it brings disruption. The day we begin to lose our empathy, to look away because we are being distracted by other things, we begin to lose our saltiness. We become bland. We don't add much flavor to the world. Let me tell you about a sweet young lady that shines her light into the world. I won't use her name, though she has given me permission to share her story with you. Some of you may know that I've led uh, children's choirs since 2007, and we used to have four groups, but COVID has played quite the trick on us. But when the kids come to audition, they are placed in their respective age group. I was a bit puzzled one day when her mom called me to see if I could take her. She had been in children's choirs before, and she had aged out. She had tried joining some adult choirs, but they did not take her in. 
Her mom told me that she was 20 years old. Uh, our group is for children ages 8 to 18, I said. But her, mo her mom told me how important it was for her to sing and that she had no place to go. She then explained that her daughter had been born with her organs outside her body and her chances to live had been quite low, but she survived. And she had limited lung capacity, 40% to be exact, and she was on oxygen. But she had been playing piano since she was very young, and she loved singing, and she was an excellent sight reader. I was intrigued by her situation and really sensing how important it was for this young lady to find a place where she belonged. I invited her to audition. I met the beautiful young lady. Joy completely radiated out of her little frame. She greeted me with a hug, and carrying her oxygen tank on her side, she auditioned. And she had quite a powerful voice for such long limitations, and she could sight-read better than most of my well-trained singers. And I thought of her mom, who made sure she would lack for nothing, although the odds were against her from birth. She made sure she'd get some music education and gave her many opportunities to shine. I realized that she would not have the same chances that a person born completely healthy might have. But whatever she might have missed as normal milestones, she made up for tenfold in joy, in love, in genuine light, and she taught us all so much. We placed her with our middle school group, and she fit perfectly with them. Our other girls learned to look, look out for her, and they held her hand when we would have to climb the red steps of the sanctuary to perform, always making sure that she knew where to go. The light transferred from her to the other young girls of the group. She'd be so happy in concerts that she would overpower the choir by belting out her part louder than ever, forgetting about all we had learned about balance and refined sounds. But that's the best kind of music one can make. She stayed with us for about two years, and then she went on to find some special musicals for young people, often landing a prominent role. As a young adult, she now works at a coffee shop downtown that offers work to people who face physical and developmental challenges, a place called Rise and Nise. The employees, many of them with Down syndrome and other disabilities, are trained to become more independent in a very inclusive environment. 80% of them would have trouble finding work if it weren't for this place with its specific purpose. My young friend is known for her beautiful personalization of coffee cups, where she encourages a stranger with an uplifting message to take to work. Think about the people who dreamt about this coffee place. Even though they must pay prime real estate for being downtown, they decided not to be the next Starbucks coffee shop. They don't care about having efficient staff that can serve grande caramel macchiato with double espresso, three pumps of sugar-free vanilla, and cold foam made with half oat, half almond milk. No. <laughs> they chose to hire those who would normally be marginalized, and by doing so, they light up a little village of people whose light would otherwise be dimmed by society. And that light shines brightly 
from a little coffee shop in downtown Sarasota. Ever since taking a pastoral care class in the hospital setting, I have continued to go weekly to, and to visit not only our members who are there, but uh, strangers who could use a prayer for recovery. On the day of my visit, I sometimes receive a morning phone call from the mental health section of the hospital, and I'm told how many patients would like to see a chaplain. What brings people into this section of the hospital varies, but it often has to do with depression, a strong -like lack of hope. Sometimes it is the overall and cumulative effect of the pandemic, Sometimes it is living in an abusive situation, sometimes it's addiction, or many are there now because they have been overwhelmed by the hurricane after losing everything. Whatever brings them there, it's because their light is dim, life has lost its flavor. These are my favorite visits and also the hardest ones because I can actually feel the darkness that surrounds these beautiful people who voluntarily asked to be housed there for a few days. I remind them how brave they are for facing their darkness and how it seems like really most of us could use a few days of retreat to look at our life and to face the monsters in our closets. Most of our conversations are centered around hope and about ways to find light and the value of finding Christian community which is often missing in their life following either a move or new solitary habits from the pandemic. Sometimes in the space of 45 minutes, I can actually see a little light in their eyes, a glimmer of hope. And while one visit or two doesn't change the real hard facts of life, it's amazing how Christ can enter their heart and give them that little push they need to believe in themselves and feel the desire to shine again. Everyone has a gift that can turn into light. In the traditional service during Black History Month, we make a point to feature American, uh, African-American spirituals. And so I was reading about black musicians who made a great contribution to America. And I read more about Duke Ellington, uh, who was born in 1899 and died in eight, uh, 1974. He was a jazz pianist, a composer, and an orchestra director. And although he is very famous for his collaborations with other well-known artists and for his many, many, many compositions, he talked especially about his sacred concerts and how he created sacred jazz liturgy. The response to his first sacred concert was completely unexpected. One news story began, Duke Ellington talked to the Lord in Grace Cathedral last night. All of us, every listener, every member of the band and chorus were talking to the Lord that night. Duke said, My feeling is that God gives each of us a role to play in life. Mine is music. The first piece I ever wrote was Soda Fountain Rag. I was 15 and working in Washington, D.C., my hometown. Since then, there have been many thousands of pieces, and many of them called sacred music. Where do they come from? God fills your mind and heart with them. All you have to do is believe and wait until they come and use them. And whether it's laying brick in a new way 
or writing a song. The ideas come to me anytime, any place, so I accept the blessings and write them. As Duke Ellington received the gift of light from Christ through music, he shared it, and the whole community of listeners were lit up like a city on a hill. This is what Jesus is talking about. As the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he wants his disciples and us to remain committed to this call to create relationships with people on the margin, and he wants his light to be shared among Christians in whatever way it takes. And that's why many of you I know come and, and serve those who are hungry. How flavorful is that? It's not an easy thing to come and pack grocery bags day after day, to lift boxes full of cans, to store out as fast as possible the fresh produce as it comes in, to create daily lists of items that will go into the bags so people will not feel hunger for a whole week. And relationships are made, and sometimes even those who were hungry once come back to serve in return. Light shining everywhere. The same light sharing happens in tutoring, in the mission work that is done around the world, and in a grief sharing session, in all the ways that the church seeks to share its light. And then together, we receive the light of Christ and we reflect it into the world, shining this light in the darkness that seeks to overcome us. The same darkness is here today as it was centuries ago. The darkness certainly has tried to cover us. The fog of nearly three years of pandemic disruption and uncertainty in our world. Darkness in a senseless and brutal war between Ukraine and Russia. Darkness in Myanmar, the land where our sister Mingyi is from. But by being the salt of the earth and with all the little lights shining in the darkness, we get to illuminate the world and reduce that darkness. In the sacred meal that we are about to share with salt as an essential ingredient in the bread that represents the body of Christ, we are reminded again of our loving community and how we work together to be salt of the earth and the light of the world. Thanks be to God, from whom all blessings flow. Let us pray. This little light of ours, we're going to let it shine, O oh Lord, everywhere we go and all around the world. Remind us, O oh God, to take every opportunity to bring flavor to our world and to share our light with all who are in the darkness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.